Tuesday. Welcome in. How's everybody doing? Hope you're doing great. It is a gloomy, rainy, kind of nasty day out there, but it's a perfect day for a nap, and I think I might take a nap this afternoon. I don't have to do the uh, stream today, so I may take a nap, an old man nap. It's the perfect napping weather. Parker Thune and I here in the Buffalo Wild Wing studio on this Tuesday edition. I think we need to start out with recruiting news. We do that quite frequently around here. And the Sooners, it's official for Brennan Thompson. Uh, the commitment is official to the University of Oklahoma. The speedster coming through the portal from Texas to Oklahoma. That is a done deal. And now we get some other news that Hamp Fay, H-A-M-P, Hamp Fay, a 6'5", 250-pound quarterback-slash-tight-end prospect from Michigan State, a former three-star, uh, signed with the Spartans in the uh, 2021 class. Junior, two years eligibility, is also coming through the portal to Oklahoma. Redshirt sophomore, three years eligibility. Three actually. years. Yes. Okay, so, three uh, years. Walking on at Oklahoma, he will not be on scholarship. PWO, yes, right. A guy that was recruited to Michigan State as a quarterback pretty immediately upon getting their transition to tight end because he's 6 foot 5 in the neighborhood of 250 pounds big bodied guy makes a lot of sense to slide him there if you're not confident that he's ever going to see the field as a QB which that was the conclusion that the Michigan State staff arrived at pretty quickly so yeah Hamp Fay another PWO addition to Oklahoma's tight end room which I wouldn't necessarily say they needed it but there were some folks that were getting antsy about the tight end situation in Oklahoma with how banged up that room was. Obviously, by the end of spring ball, the only two healthy scholarship players you had were Austin Stogner and Blake Smith, who had a club on his hand. All right, so the only fully and healthy— And caught a touchdown pass in the spring yeah, game how with about a that? club on his how hand. How about that? We didn't talk enough about that. Blake Smith catching a touchdown pass with a club. Austin Stogner was the only he fully healthy scholarship tight end— that you had on the roster. Obviously, the expectation is that you're going to get Caden Helms and Jason Llewellyn back up to speed this summer. You're going to bring in Cade McIntyre in June when he enrolls, add him to the room as the fifth scholarship tight end. And Josh Fanuel, the basketball transfer turned football player from Cameron University down in Lawton. Maybe he'll be the next Antonio Gates, right? He's a basketball player, Antonio Gates. Maybe so. He caught a touchdown pass in the spring game. He did. But what that's worth. From old Davis Bevel. And wasn't even Davis Bevel taking a few reps with the tight ends towards the end of spring? We saw some video of that anyway. I don't know if they were just joking around or maybe that was part of it. So uh, Hampton Fay, Hamp Fay coming through the portal, preferred walk-on to the University of Oklahoma. Let's talk about Brennan Thompson now. Uh, this is a kid that you had targeted for a while. You had told me, you know, off the air, can't release it yet. It's going to happen. It's basically a done deal. But I want to wait on this to happen. You always do that when somebody asks you to wait to release information or don't go with this yet. Even though you have that, you always do that. And I think that's one of the reasons you get so many people telling you things is because they trust that you're not going to, you know, uh, out them with information that they trust you with. So nice job by you. And you said that Brennan Thompson would be a Sooner, and now he is a Sooner. Yeah, as soon as he was in the portal, it was pretty evident that Oklahoma was going to be the likely landing spot. There was some subdued buzz for Texas Tech with Tech being close to home out there in the Texas panhandle for the Thompson family, as well as the backlash. And you've seen it on social media, right? Kid transfers from Texas to Oklahoma. That is unprecedented in the modern recruiting era. We haven't seen that since the late Paul Moriarty back in 1990, a player transfer from the University of Texas 
to the University of Oklahoma, and we've only seen it a handful of times in history. So there was going to be some backlash there. You've seen it on social media. There was, oh gosh, there was one tweet that OU fans lit up, deservedly so, but there was one tweet from a Texas fan that said, great, hope he tears his ACL in week one. So, it, you know, it's comments like that that obviously were anticipated, and there was a thought that, Maybe it would be a less dramatic and safer option for him to go to Texas Tech, but Oklahoma, Emmett Jones, Jay Valai, they were able to very quickly assuage any of the doubts and concerns that the Thompsons had. Brennan was on campus this past weekend, Thursday through Saturday, watched the spring game, of course did part of the pregame show over at Yo Pablo with Tyler McComas, and Monday evening, 48 hours later, he's committed to the University of Oklahoma. There you go. So, uh, yeah, not surprising there would be some backlash. You will find uh, some of the lowest, dirty, low-down, dirty scumbags on social media. They usually have an assumed name and a bunch of numbers next to that name, right? Yes. Normally. But uh, think about this. How rare is it that you get a transfer in that's going to be, uh, you know, particularly if he gets healthy, that should be able to make some plays for OU. On the defensive side of the ball, and Trace Ford coming from Oklahoma State, and you have the kid Brennan Thompson who's got great speed, lots of potential, could end up making some plays for the Sooners on offense this year as well, coming from the University of Texas. Now, that's not something you normally see, and that's another example of how the portal has changed everything in college sports because that's just not commonplace. So, anyway, uh, getting – on the text line already, people want to know who you think the next commitment will be for OU. Uh, is Zion Kearney about ready to pull the plug, the wide receiver? I'd be surprised, shocked. I don't know if astonished. Astonished is probably too severe of a word. Um, if Zion Kearney isn't committed by the end of the week, I would be surprised. Let's just put it that way. Four-star wide receiver, Missouri City, Texas. There have been some pretty good players that have played in Missouri City, Texas in the past. I can think of particularly an Oklahoma State Cowboys in the NFL Hall of Fame. Well, I can think of Thurman Thomas. I can think of an Oklahoma Sooners linebacker that had ended up a first-round NFL draft pick mm -hmm. in Kenneth Murray. Yeah, absolutely. They, he, they produce football players there. I was trying to think if he was from the same high school as Zion Kearney, but no, Kearney goes to Hightower. Kenneth Murray went to Elkins. So, but yes, Missouri City connections and uh, Sooners made big, big strides with Zion Carney leading up to the spring game this past weekend. He visited, and now it looks for all the world like Oklahoma is closing in on his commitment in the days ahead. What about uh, Joseph Jonah Jonier? Is that going to happen? Yeah, soon? he's he's told everybody that he's committing on August first. Now, I do not think it out of the realm of possibility that Jonah Jonier moves up that commitment date, especially at the rate that things are progressing between him and Oklahoma. But for the moment, the date is set for August 1st. There you go. There you go. But the Sooners are in good shape there for the four-star D lineman, again, out of Conroe, Texas. Jerry Parks was from Missouri City as well, former Sooner defensive back, according to the 281. I think that, uh, if I'm not mistaken, Thurman Thomas was Fort Bend Willow Ridge. If I'm, I'd have to go ahead and Google it up. But I'm going to Google this right now. He had a decent career. He had a very decent career uh, at Oklahoma State, played in the Ice Bowl. You know, he and Barry Sanders were there together. 
And as good as Thurman Thomas was, the quote from Barry Switzer is, I hope that they don't put that uh, kid in that wears number 21 because that was Barry Sanders. Of course, wore 20 with the Lions, but uh, uh, no doubt that Thurman Thomas was a great player from there as well. What would you find out? Missouri City, Willow Ridge High School. There you go. Well, I was close. I thought there was a Fort Bend <laughs> attached to that, but Thurman Thomas uh, ended up with a gold Unbelievable. coat. Unbelievable. The amount of... The amount of information you just have rolling around in that brain of yours from Ask me 35, 40 years well, ago. Well, yeah, 35, 40 years ago, but two years ago, it's pretty much crickets, you know, a lot of the time. So that's the way old man memory works. All right, uh, 405-651-3439 from Shark Steelman. How wide is Parker's smile after getting roasted a few weeks ago about recruiting reports now that the dominoes are starting to fall? He's He's got a pretty nice grin. He looks like he could be doing a Crest White Strips commercial over there. The teeth are very white, and the grin is very big. I will tell you that. From the 386, I hope Thompson scores the game-winning touchdown in the Red River shootout just to give Texas the middle finger. Man, that would be something, wouldn't it? It would be awesome. So, uh, man, the last two years in the Cotton Bowl, you talk about from uh, absolute euphoria to humiliation – with that great comeback led by Caleb Williams and Caleb Kelly and Kennedy Brooks yeah, and Marvin Mims and then the total disaster <laughs> that was last year that looked like it was, I mean, Oklahoma's offense. I thought they should have just stayed with the freaking uh, Wildcat the whole game. As a Sooner fan, you have quite legitimately experienced the highest of highs and the lowest of lows in the last two Red River showdowns. It is very difficult to imagine a game as climactic and invigorating as the 2021 Red River shootout. I say shootout and showdown interchangeably. I don't even, I don't know why. I'll just go, uh, one second it's the shootout, the next is the showdown. But it's, it's tough to imagine a more drastic turn of events one year to the next than what happened in 2021 versus what happened in 2022. Yeah, it was crazy, too, because Dylan, K- Dylan Gabriel came out in the pregame warm-ups, and people are thinking maybe he's going to play. And then the announcement was he's not going to play. And uh, then it didn't look pretty. I think I saw more passes that went into the ground than that were completed. Yes, Davis Bevel was, what, 6 for 12 for 39 yards? Eric Gray threw an interception. Nick Evers threw one pass, and it was... Into the ground. Into the ground, At yes. the feet of somebody. At the somebody. feet of Javante Barnes. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. How about Davis Bevel, though, had to go up for the post-game press conference? I know, man. Like, you if know, nothing like, else... That give... took some guts right there, man. <laughs> Kudos to that kid. Also, <laughs> like... Imagine, imagine for a moment. You just got throttled 49-0. to zero. You're getting slandered endlessly on social media. And your head coach slash the communications officers walk up to you and ask, hey, you want to come answer some questions about your performance in front of the media? Took some guts from Davis Bevel. It if did. nothing else, yeah, I give him did. props for that. You know, and I, I feel bad for the kid because he's a college kid. Um, obviously, last year wasn't wasn't good at all when he had to come into the game. But, I, you know, I'm sure he works hard and all that stuff. But, man, that, that, was, that was not good last year. That was a – that was a very rough afternoon, obviously, for Sooner fans. 
All right. Uh, hey, Steely, I saw a blast from the past at the red-white game, the OU Chinaman. Oh, okay. There you go. Still out there. The swarm is still out there. From the 580, Parker, what would you rate Thompson's chances of making an impact next season? And that's going to be the interesting thing to me is because right now on this roster, you got three really capable slot receivers in Drake Stoops, the sixth-year senior, in Gavin Freeman, the rising sophomore, and, of course, now you throw Brennan Thompson into the mix. So I I will be eager to see how Jeff Lebby manages the workload between those three, and I think those are three guys that can all line up outside if you need them to, and Thompson, especially with his speed, can be an inside-outside guy. But all three of those receivers are going to do the bulk of their work in the slot. Can you find snaps for all three of them? Because – I think they all will warrant a share of the snap count to a certain extent. All right, and we didn't see Nick Anderson. We'll talk about his progress when we get back, but there's a guy, again, that has potential star ability, and we didn't see him in the spring game, and he could be a huge factor in the fall. All right, stay with us. want to thank Lasher Home Comfort Systems. You need heating and air work done, they'll get it done at a great price, great reputation, 405 579 3113. Tim Lasher, great Sooner, great company. Let's hear some new stuff from Brent Vittables when we get back. See what you guys think right here on The Ref. All right, back with you. Tuesday edition of Steel Man and Thune here on the home of Sooner fans, the Ref Radio Network. Thanks again to Lasher Home Comfort Systems for sponsoring our first hour, 405-579-3113 for Lasher Home Comfort Systems. All right, so the OU softball game, uh, that was to be played in Wichita State tonight. It's not going to be played. It has been rained out. The game at Tulsa very much up in the air for tomorrow night as well. Uh, so we may very well see the Sooner women next in action trying to extend that 34-game winning streak. They're 42-1 of the season, dominating everybody in women's college softball. May see them next in action in a home series, their final home series of the regular season. They'll obviously have a regional. But uh, Friday night against Kansas at 6 o'clock, they have Kansas Friday night, Saturday afternoon at 2 o'clock, Sunday at 1 o'clock. OU baseball game uh, for Mitchell Park tonight. Scheduled ORU is canceled as well, so the Sooners next will be in action. They host Kansas this weekend also, Friday against Kansas at 6.30, Saturday at 3 o'clock in the afternoon, Sunday at 2 p.m. OU men's golf running away with the Big 12 championship at Prairie Dunes in Hutchinson, Kansas. 16-shot lead, now heading to the turn in round three. The Sooners are 13 under par. Oklahoma State is next in line. They are plus three. The Cowboys are, so a 16-shot advantage for the Sooners. Ryan Hibble and company dominating the Big 12 Men's Golf Championship. That is the Sooner Weekly Update brought to you by Wade Electric, your trusted electrical experts for your home or business. Call them up at 405-329-1940. Brent Venables uh, sat down with R.J. Young for an interview uh, over the weekend. And uh, it was – well, there, there was a good response here. And talking about the future of the program, and Brent continued to reiterate that he's thinking long-term when it comes to this program. That's what you're, you're, you're playing for is the long ball as you build your foundation, you know. And sometimes the foundation, it takes the longest to build, but it's the most important part of the building. You know, the height of the, of the, of the building is all dependent upon the depth of your foundation. And so getting the foundation is, 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 is you know, incredibly important. And having the right type of players that believe in the same values that you have. 
And so you can recruit to that and then you can nurture and develop that too. And, and so we're trying to do both. You know, am I willing to give what winning takes? This is what it takes. And don't worry about the result. You know, you focus on what it takes. And then the best players, the best units, the best teams, if there's something, they're consistent. And so you gotta, gotta show up with the right mindset every day and then you gotta, you know, play, you know, to a standard, compete to a standard each and every day. Nothing more, nothing less. There you go. And, uh, you know, that message still resonates with me when I hear it. I like that direction. Look, every coach has their catchphrases or, you know, something that, you know, kind of aligns them with their program and their players and how they go about recruiting and everything like that. A philosophy, obviously. And Brent's philosophy I like very much. But after six and seven, I want to know how much – you know, those kind of comments from Brent Venable still hit home and ring a positive bell for you guys, you know, or do you think, okay, we've heard this, let's go see some victories. Because I think, again, that in this day and age of the portal, it's going to be more difficult to keep a lot of players on your roster, keep players buying in from year to year. But I do think that Brent Venables has a chance to do that. I, I think this team is together. I think they're getting more talented. Look, everybody does team bonding stuff. I get that as well. But, Parker, what do you think when you hear Brent making statements like that? Does that still ring a bell with you? Like, I like what he's saying, or is there a little bit of, okay, we've heard this before? Eh, I think at this point everybody understands what the Oklahoma program is about under Venable's direction. I don't think that you – now, Venable's he's, – he's consistently on message, right? He's consistently hitting the – company lines he's consistently hitting the same talking points the message never changes which you like to see that from your head coach in terms of consistency in what he's preaching but now at this point I don't think there's a sense of novelty to it like there was in the first few months when he got hired and we're like oh okay sole mission off-field development academic support like this is this is all brand new to the Oklahoma football experience there was that sense of novelty for a while but at this point I think it's if you're informed regarding OU football, and maybe it's still novel to the rest of the nation, but if you're an OU fan, you've heard all this stuff before. You have, and uh, I like it. And look, Barry Switzer created a great atmosphere and family back in the day. Now, nationally, some people thought, oh, Barry Switzer's running an outlaw program. Well, that's because he let a lot of his players do what they wanted to do. Now, I'm not talking about uh, off the field, and certainly there were things that got Barry Switzer in hot water and eventually had to resign. Charles Thompson, all of that stuff that went down. And obviously, they were on NCAA probation. Uh, you know, a couple times, and uh, same at Oklahoma State. It was down and dirty back in those days to a certain extent. But the fact that all these players come back and still, you know, worship the ground that Barry Switzer walked on because he treated them like men. And he also allowed Joe Washington to paint his shoes as long as he's making plays. Thomas Lott, yeah, no problem. You can wear that bandana and look cool. Go out and make some plays for me. Do the right things. You know, go to class and all of that stuff. So Barry Switzer, his program uh, also had discipline. It's the way that you go about it. But I do think particularly, Parker, in this day and age where it is going to be more difficult as long as these same rules uh, exist, and it looks like they're going to for a while, it's going to be harder to keep your roster together. And look, OU's going to lose players to the portal every year. But you hope to keep that to a minimum. Uh, and there are going to be some players that the coaching staff meets with. Brent talked about that after the spring game, that they're going to say, well, you know what? 
we love you, but you know, you might be better off elsewhere. You've got to be honest with those kids. But Mm -hmm. I think trying to build that culture, uh, that family thing where all the players who come back for the uh, spring game, that's awesome. It happens everywhere, but it it happens, I think, to a greater degree uh, at Oklahoma than it does a lot of other places. You've got to keep that going because that's kind of the glue right now in, in terms of trying to keep that roster together. In terms of the roster adhesion, if you will, yes, it's going to become well. It's going to become easier to do, and I think Venables is having an easier time turning over this roster in the era of the transfer portal than he probably would have if he takes this job a decade ago, right? Because you can't as easily process guys with the portal. Yeah, you know it comes with its challenges, but for a head coach that's trying to wipe the slate clean as it were and you're seeing this up with D- at Colorado with Deion Sanders right now uh, I think they had 15 players in the portal yesterday it's very easy for a coach to turn over the talent on a roster cut all the dead weight and bring in guys that he wants to bring in when you can just essentially tell guys hey you know what listen we like having you here we're thankful for your contributions here but we're not planning on I guess we're not planning on setting a path for you to see the field this year, and you might be better served to look elsewhere for a greater opportunity. Well, those guys, those guys can just transfer free of charge, essentially, and get a fresh start elsewhere. And- my, my, look, David Aguebu might have a really good year for Houston and maybe uh, you know get to the NFL draft in the later rounds or something and play yeah. a little bit more. But, but I do think that's how you should be with some of those kids is very honest with them and fair with them and, and let them know where they are. They probably know already. But, you know, I, Brandon, these guys, they seem like they're going to be honest with them and let them know, hey – you, you know, maybe it might be better for you to look for another opportunity. Yes, but therein, I think the goal for Venables and this staff, as they lay the foundation, as you heard Brent talking about with R.J. Young there, is you want to get to a point similar to where Dabo Sweeney is at Clemson, right, where you don't have to sit a dozen guys down after the season and say, hey, this isn't working. What you want is to be able to have enough depth to have evaluated well enough and developed well enough to the point that you have enough depth across your roster that even if there's a guy or two that just hasn't panned out for whatever reason, but they like the school, they like Oklahoma, they're bought in, they work in the weight room, and you have no character concerns that cause you to be apprehensive about that player – You can honor their scholarship throughout its duration, and you don't have to send them their merry way towards the transfer portal because you feel the crunch of needing more depth at a specific position or needing an immediate contributor in place of that one of the 85 scholarships that's being occupied. Yeah, and you may have a guy that is not going to play a ton of snaps, but you see his value uh, in terms of leadership, in terms of his presence in the locker room, and those guys – you know, are probably going to stick around. Even though they may not play a ton of snaps, you, you have to evaluate and find those guys in your roster as well. Okay, 405-651-3439. We're going to get to nothing but your text coming up in the next segment. Got a lot of text rolling in. Also, freaking Mule Shoe made an appearance on first take. Mule Shoe and Stephen A. Smith together. What a pairing. 
Stephen A's not so bad. Mule shoes a sack of feces. We'll be right back here on the ref. Back here, Buffalo Wild Wings Studios on a uh, gloomy, overcast, kind of rainy Tuesday. It's always a sunny day at Riverwind Casino. Great promotion. Great chances for you to go out and win. You need to go get that wild card. If you don't have one, join the new Member 7 program. Won't cost you a dime. Will help you in promotions. You might hear your name called in a lot of these random hot seat giveaways and the other promotions. Uh, you really need to get that wild card if you don't have one. And, again, it won't cost you a single thing. Riverwind Casino. Also, again, with these great concerts coming, the Outdoor Concert Series for Summer Beats and Bites is on the way. It will all get started May 27th. 38 special in Blue Oyster Colts. In June, we have the Gin Blossoms and Tonic. July 8th, Mark Chestnut, Shenandoah, and Tracy Bird. And on August 26th, the music of Gary Allen. Beats and Bites, best local food trucks will be out there. It's a kid-friendly environment. Bring your folding chairs, bring your appetite, and uh, bring your attitude to hear some great music. You will at Beats and Bites 2023. And as I've said, we're really excited to have shows coming back indoors to the Showplace Theater at the one and only Riverwind Casino. Starting in June, Earth, Wind, and Fire will start it all up. June 23rd in July, three great shows. Collective Soul, July 21st, Josh Turner, July 28th. Gabriel Iglesias, the comedian, July 29th. In August, Dwight Yoakam, August 19th. The Counting Crows on the Showplace Theater stage, August 25th. Ario Speedwagon, September 8th. Chicago, September 15th. And that's just getting started. We haven't had shows at the Showplace in over three years because of the pandemic, but they're coming back. You can get your tickets to all these events, Beats and Bites, and all the shows at the Showplace Theater online at Riverwind.com. That is Riverwind.com or at the Casino Box Office just outside the Showplace Theater. All right, you want to play Mule Shoe with Stephen A. before we get going? This was uh, this was Stephen A. and Mule Shoe on first take this morning. Well, you've always been able to recruit. I mean, when you're at Oklahoma, I mean, it speaks for itself. But I I would imagine that being in Southern California, I mean, and and and, and that weather and that sunshine and those palm trees and everything, that it 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 it, it could be one would surmise it might be a little bit easier to get even more of those top players in the country to, to come to USC. How would you label your recruiting at USC? I know other people speak about it. How do you feel about what recruiting has been like for you since you've arrived at USC? Oh, it's phenomenal. I mean, you have a, a product to sell that there's nothing like anywhere else in college football. And as you said, the, you live in a destination city, one of the greatest cities on the planet. You get a you get a chance to to coach and play at one of the greatest college football programs of all time, and then I mean this university and its academic reputation, what it can do for players, uh, whether they make it to the NFL or not, is substantial. And so that that combination is very rare in our game, and it's uh, certainly a fun place to recruit to. It's a fun place to live. We've embraced the last eighteen months, and uh, can't wait to see what the future holds. You are a smelly pirate hooker. <laughs> uh. I think you suck. <laughs> there you go. Very well done. Steve. He had a cheesy mule shoe grin on the whole time that Stephen A. was talking about California and everything. So there you go. Now, I don't know that we've talked enough. We we touched on it a little bit yesterday. I don't know that we have talked enough since the weekend about USC's edition of Bear Alexander. What does this suggest to you? You tell me before I tell you my opinion on 
why and how USC has pursued Bear Alexander? I mean, I, I think uh, it's probably NIL, right? And uh, USC is obviously they've got to get Okay, it. Yeah, yeah. Well, yes, and I understand. Like, NIL was the means by right, which they right, got right. Bear to USC. But I ask you, especially given that Bear is over 295 pounds, which is the magic Grinch threshold, mm-hmm. why do you go tamper and get Bear Alexander? Maybe because they're going to change their philosophy a little bit. And maybe even Muleshoe has talked to Alex Grinch about, you know what, this isn't working. I know we're buddies and everything, but maybe, maybe they're trying to change their philosophy a little bit. What do See, you think? I don't think so. What do you think's going on? I don't think they're changing their philosophy. You, think you know what this it? reeks of to me? What this tells me, and we had kind of already seen signs that pointed this direction in the way that Muleshoe had gone about trimming his roster this offseason. But this feels, to me, it looks for all the world, to me, like Muleshoe is putting all his eggs in the basket of the 2023 season. Knowing that he's not going to be at USC in the ah, long term. okay. There trying to go. make one run at the national championship before he rides off into the sunset. And hands and the reins. And clings to Caleb Williams' coattails and lets him drag him into the NFL. And hands the reins of the uh, USC program to his buddy Cliff Kingsbury. To me, what this suggests is that Lincoln Riley has no plans to coach USC beyond 2023. Hmm. Interesting. Very Interesting. All right, uh, what do you guys think? 405-651-3439. Let's get to our text line. Got a bunch of texts rolling in. From the 405, Lincoln was scouting at the championship game. Everyone thought he was looking for skill positions at TCU. Turns out he was looking at Georgia. Mm, yeah. Milshu so. did attend the national championship game. Of course, it was in his backyard. Uh, from the 417, they're going all in trying to bolster the D while Caleb Williams is there. Nelson is good. Once gone, it won't be the same. And that's see, that kind of sums up my opinion on where is where USC is as a program right now under Lincoln Riley. That offense is not going to have the same functionality once Caleb Williams is off to the NFL next spring. Malachi Nelson is nowhere close to the quarterback that Caleb Williams is. And look, Caleb Williams is a different breed. He's special. We all understand and acknowledge this. He is one of the greatest collegiate quarterbacks of the last decade, if not longer, and has a chance this coming season to cement himself as one of the greats in the history of the collegiate game if he can replicate the season that he did a year ago. Malachi Nelson is good, don't get me wrong, but especially in terms of what Caleb Williams can do with his legs and how much the – breadth of opportunities and possibilities that you have on the offensive side of the ball opens up when you have a guy like Caleb Williams who has the escapability and running ability that he does you're not going to be able to even approximate that with Malachi Nelson and Mule Shoe is many things he is not stupid Steely I no, he's a he bright guy, this. no doubt about it. And so you're saying Mule Shoe is thinking, all right, this could be it. This is probably it for me at SC. I'm pushing all the chips in. we got to get as many great defensive prospects as we can. Uh, the portal makes that a little bit easier now. Oh, my gosh, there he is on the TV replay. Um, so, so, anyway, <laughs> one line. 
that one sentence at the top. Yeah, we can't. <laughs> Listen, if you're going to send in texts about Muleshoe, we welcome all the humorous takes you have, but please make them FCC appropriate so we can actually read them. I'll make a prediction, writes the 405. Lincoln is gone next year, and his brother Garrett takes over at USC, Landon House. Wow. Uh, you know, Garrett's on the rise, there's no doubt. Look, they're both bright guys. I've never said that Muleshoe, uh, is he a good football coach? Yes. Is he a great offensive mind? Yes. Uh, does he have what it takes to, you know, really get serious about defense and win a national championship and push a program to that level? We don't know yet. Is he a snake? Does he lie? Yes and yes. Snaky liars are the worst liars, by the way. Just like the smelly pirate hookers are the worst hookers. <laughs> You're not. Are you speaking from experience? No, no, okay, I'm not. I was but I can say, let's imagine hope not. that a smelly pirate hooker is not high up there on the scale. Oh, text line. Mule Shoe still has Grinch, so don't worry. They aren't winning a championship. No, I, I understand that. I think OU fans were so happy to see that Alex Grinch is coming back. And again. When is the statue of either Kyle Whittingham or Cam Rising going to be at least a plaque over there somewhere where all the Sooner stuff is stored? You know, we need we need to give those two their recognition for what they did for Sooner Nation last year. Absolutely. Sooner Soldier says, I agree, he will be gone before USC goes to the Big Ten. And there was another text, uh, there was another listener on the text line that said, I think I would bet whatever I own, Parker is wrong. Dude ain't going nowhere. But... D- do you feel like Muleshoe wants any part of the Big Ten? Because that was not on his bingo board when he took the USC job. At that time, he had no knowledge that a move to the Big Ten was even on the table. No. No, he did not. So, hot take, Gunner from Grove. Deion Sanders takes over at USC after Muleshoe leaves. Any, um, any merit to that? Uh, and what's going on in Colorado, the max mass exodus of players from Dion's program. We knew that was going to happen. Well, How- yeah, it's the, it's the roster flush. Yeah, it is. Absolutely. They were 1-11 last year. I tweeted it yesterday, but I'll, I'll reiterate it here. I would be more concerned about Dion and the direction of his Colorado program if you didn't see that type of mass exodus at a certain point. And I promise you... Dion is not surprised by that mass exodus. No. It's no. not like he's in his office reeling he trying to figure out what to do next. the roster, right, in his first meeting with those players, a lot of you aren't going to be here, you know. Uh, so he laid out what was going to happen, and it's happening so far. All right, we'll break right here. We've got a ton of text rolling in. Uh, by the way, the mule shoe clip, unfortunately, well, no, I'm not going to, I am not going to pin a mule shoe soundbite on, uh, ortho central. I'm not going to do really? that. Really? No, because it's a mule shoe soundbite. They don't want to be associated with that. I'll give them a better sound clip later and, uh, and give them their props. All right. 405-651-3439. Mike Steely, Parker Thune, home of Sooner fans, the ref on kind of a nasty Tuesday out there. No OU softball tonight. Game at Wichita State canceled. No Sooner baseball tonight. The ORU matchup, uh, which was scheduled for Mitchell Park at 630, also canceled. Coming right back here on the home of Sooner fans. All right, welcome back. Good to have you with us. Mike Steely, Parker Thune, the home of Sooner fans, the Ref Radio Network, 405-651-3439. I just saw that Kelly Hines got laid off by the Tulsa World. That's really sad. Kelly is a great, great writer, reporter, 
really, really good human being, and that absolutely sucks. Not cool. Hopefully, Kelly lands on her feet because she's a, she's a good lady and very good at what she does. All right, uh, 405-651-3439. Uh, let's get to as many texts as we can from you people out there, the great members of the Ref Army. They are marching right into the text line today. It's awesome. From the 405, I've always thought Mule Shoe wasn't going to coach a single game in the Big Ten. And now with Kingsbury there, I'm almost 100% he is. I... I guess I don't completely comprehend that text. So with Kingsbury there, are you saying you now believe he does coach in the Big Ten or you're almost 100% certain that he doesn't? I think he's saying he believes that Kingsbury is there like knowing that maybe the plan is, as you said, to try and win this national championship this season with Caleb Williams and then maybe head off to the NFL. And then there's Cliff Kingsbury maybe right there to uh, get the – you know, if they have a great year, obviously, and they're going to have a really good year. I mean, they have Caleb Williams and some talent, but maybe Cliff Kingsbury would be the guy. From the 918, Parker, my guy. So let's think this through. He's afraid of the Big Ten and SEC, but he's going to go take a pro job. How does that make any sense? Well, I think there are several planes on which it makes sense. First off, what you have to consider about the NFL is that it's a level playing field, right? To a certain extent, yes. To a certain extent, sure. But in the NFL, everybody's got a salary cap, right? Everybody's got inherently the same number of draft picks every single year. You got a 53 man roster. You don't have to recruit. And you don't have the advantages and disadvantages that come with the various stops you may make on the collegiate circuit. You also don't have to, and when you don't have to worry about recruiting. And you don't have to worry about everything that comes baked into the pie with that whole process, i.e. the transfer portal and NIL, etc. Then your job and your life get much easier. And moreover, you don't, <laughs> you don't have to worry about having to recruit your roster in real time because This is one thing that many college coaches have expressed is one of the greatest difficulties that has arisen in this new era of college football is the fact that they constantly have to be on high alert because the second one of their players gets even a little bit disgruntled, well, they're going to start looking towards the transfer portal. So there are so many challenges that come with a collegiate job that you don't have at the NFL level. Also, (laughs) Mule Shoe's style of football – will not fly in the Big Ten. It won't. The Big Ten style of football is archaic, but it's well-established. It's not going anywhere. It's a smash-mouth game, especially in the Big Ten West. And in the SEC, you just you have to have certain things to compete in the SEC, and you have to have certain philosophies, and you have to have certain people around you to be able to succeed within that conference that Mule Shoe, I don't feel, is willing to go and get. I think a lot of that comes down to ego. But, yes, I, I think what you said in jest is exactly the case. He's afraid of the Big Ten and the SEC, but he's going to go take a pro job. 
Yes. Well, and, and the other thing is there are college coaches out there now. I, You know, I'm hearing that Mike Krzyzewski and Jay Wright at Villanova, one of the reasons that, uh, you know, and Coach K was at Duke forever, but Jay Wright still uh, had a lot of years left, but did not like the transfer portal, felt like they couldn't coach kids hard enough anymore. If you coached them too hard, they were going to be gone. So that's one of the reasons why they left their profession, particularly uh, Jay Wright at Nova. But uh, it's a different day and age for sure. And uh, we played the clip from Kirby Smart last year after they won the national championship. And he said a lot of uh, the coaches he's been around are, you know, just don't like the college game as much anymore. It takes too much of their life when you're on the road recruiting all the time. Now you got to deal with the transfer portal and NIL as well. It's uh, it's a tough job, and I know those guys, particularly at great programs like Oklahoma, make a lot of money, but they put in the hours and the work, too, 100%. From the 918, and we'll continue this conversation. We'll roll it over into the next hour, but what makes you all think Riley will make it in the NFL? His style of football will not work in the NFL. Well, I think that's a chance Lincoln Riley is willing to take, and there are several sources that I've talked to that have professed to me that Riley's endgame is the NFL. That's where he wants to be, and also – He's a creative offensive mind, man. If you can pair him with somebody that knows what they're doing on the defensive side of the ball, Muleshoe's a creative enough offensive mind that he could be extremely successful yep. at any level. Of I would football. agree with that. I would agree with that. You get the right D.C., and, and Lincoln is a very creative, uh, really good offensive mind, there's no doubt. All right, but he also is, well, you know what. All right, we're coming back for our number two here in the ref. Keep it right here in the home of Sooner fans. All right, let's jump into hour number two. The old man and the young media prodigy. That's me. I'm the old man. Mike Steely. He's Parker Thune, the young media prodigy. I think he was doing a sports show when he was seven years old. It might have been happening in the crib, actually. That's the legend. Is that accurate, that you started uh, doing your own show in a crib? I'll tell you what. I dug it up a few years back. The first game recap I ever wrote was I was I was about a week away from my sixth birthday back in 2005. And I wrote a recap on a piece of construction paper with a blue Crayola marker. A recap of Super Bowl 39 between the Patriots and the Eagles. Really? Yes. Wow. How about that? Well, he started very early. Uh, he was like, you know, Mozart or Michelangelo, one of the greats. He was just a prodigy at a very early age, a really early age. And he's still really at an early age. So 405-651-3439, that is our text line today. And ladies and gentlemen, we are going to get back to the text here in a minute. But at the same time, we want to hear what Cale Gundy had to say on the rush yesterday. Now, speaking of, uh, do you think Cale Gundy's enjoying life right now? Now, the way that went down was horrible. It was almost like one of those deals like, oh, my gosh. You know, it was just – it was clearly a mistake on Kale's part. Uh, immediately, anybody who tried to call him, you know, a racist angered everybody because he 100% is not. He is one of the most loyal, uh, best Sooners of all time. Tons of friends around the program, around the Norman area. Kale Gundy will always be a beloved sooner. But the way it went down, it was almost like in this cancel culture. There was no choice. OU was going to have problems 
fighting that on the recruiting trail for a long time, right? And it's very unfortunate. But we were talking about what it takes to be a college football coordinator, assistant coach, being on a staff, particularly at a blue blood like Oklahoma, recruiting all the time. Cale Gundy right now, I'm sure, spending a lot of time with his family, probably kicking back quite a bit, going to the lake, playing golf, enjoying, you know, having a good time with some of his friends and certainly hanging out with his family. So sometimes, you know, um, again, you get in that grind and you think that's the way your life has to be or should be, in whatever profession you may be in, and then you find out, you know, I actually – maybe should take some time for myself i like to work hard i like my profession but i don't want to drive myself to the level of insanity doing that um and for kale again i think if you've heard him interviewed he's been you know it was obviously a very disappointing situation some people didn't agree with the way it went down but that was the reality of what happened but kale i think has sounded super relaxed and he's always going to be a sooner he was on the rush yesterday and they asked Kale about his expectations for Dylan Gabriel and the Sooner offense in the fall. You know, the big thing for Dylan is just to uh, get in a good rhythm with some of these new players and these new receivers that are going to be yeah. having to step up and, and um, you know, kind of take some of the catches. You know, you, you take, um, you know, you take Marvin Mims out of the picture, you take Theo Wees out of the picture. Now you still have Drake Stoops back and you still have Jaleel, uh, but, um, you know, he, he's got to get comfortable with these guys, and I'm sure he's done that during spring. Um, I expect him to have a, a, a great a, a great season coming up. He's a, you know, he's been a great ambassador to our program and to our university. He, he's a super person. He's a hard worker. You know, they're going to need him to really, really step up And because there's some, there's some people that kind of avoided. There's some holes in there in that offense. You know, Coach, Coach Beatbow's going to get that offensive line, but there's some guys that need to, mm-hmm. need to, to step up in those roles. And, you know, the, the wide receiver room, those guys are going to have to step up. There's a lot of really talented players in there. You know, the running backs are, I mean, DeMarco's loaded, and he's, he's got those guys coached up. I'm really not worried about DeMarco. There you go. And again, as far as receivers, keep in mind, Nick Anderson did not play in the spring game. You just added uh, Brennan Thompson from Texas to the portal. That is official, so help more help is on the way at wide receiver. And Nick Anderson is a guy that you've said, Parker, for a while, you think uh, he could have a breakout season. He could end up maybe being that third guy they're looking at, and maybe even maybe even better than that. Yeah, no, I'd, I'd, I'd certainly believe that. Just the big question for Nick Anderson at this point is can he stay healthy? Yeah, that was and Rodney's question too. Man, it's, <laughs> it's such a weird deal, isn't it? Because it's not as if, I don't know, maybe there are people with a greater, uh, more – robust background in biology and physiology than me that can rebut this but i i don't feel like fragility is genetic at least to the extent that nick anderson is going to be the same problem child in terms of his ability to stay healthy that rodney anderson was but to this point in his career as an oklahoma sooner he's just never been able to find the field consistently yeah that's really been the issue for him and like rodney i mean rodney looked like he was ready to enter mr olympia competitions i mean the guy was built out of granite it looked like so anyway do you all have the interview from Brendan Thompson on Saturday? I don't know if that was archived or not. It was archived. It was very, very brief. He mm-hmm. joined Tyler McComas for about 90 seconds on the pregame. So not a whole lot there. I think he answered maybe three, four questions uh, pretty succinctly. But, yes, he did join 
the pregame show over at Yo Pablo on Saturday prior to the spring game. Did he get shuffled off? I don't know. I wasn't there. Okay. I just wonder if you maybe heard he story. had maybe he had somewhere to be. Yeah, could be. I I would assume he had somewhere to be. Uh, from the 405, this goes back to the mule shoe conversation that we were having towards the back half last hour. Mule shoe creative? You call six plays, chicken scratched onto a napkin creative? Stop it. He got lucky with four elite QBs, only recruited one of them. I need angry Steely right now. Oh, I'm angry. I am angry. Steely's always Very. angry when it comes to mule shoe. But look, I... I want to make sure everyone is completely objective here and acknowledges that Lincoln Riley is actually a very creative play caller. I saw a clip making the rounds on social media a couple days ago, and I'd forgotten about it, but it was from the Kansas State game in 2019 where it was a uh, a screen turned into a flea flicker. Do you remember this play? I think it might have been their first offensive play from scrimmage where Jalen Hurts takes the shotgun snap, Flicks it back to C.D. Lamb. Make sure it's backwards so as to officially go down as a lateral, right? C.D. runs sideways back towards the middle of the field, drops the ball back to Jalen Hurts. And meanwhile, Nick Basquin has fallen down on the boundary uh, as he was trying to sell that he was lead blocking for C.D. on the screen. So he falls down to the ground, gets back up. The defense has left him completely unaccounted for. He streaks down the sideline. Jalen Hurts has him all alone there, and Hurts underthrew the ball by a yard or two. If it wasn't underthrown, Nick Baskin was going to go the distance. As it was, it got Oklahoma down inside the 10-yard line. So that's just one example of one of the many uh, instances of creativity that we saw from Muleshoe during his time as head coach and offensive coordinator at Oklahoma. Now a lot of that creativity disappeared down the stretch in the 2021 season, mm-hmm. and we we all have our speculations as to why that might be. Well, but, instead of watching game film, he was talking to Trace Armstrong on the phone all the time or taking a personal day. Yeah. So, I again, you can hate the guy, but let's give him his flowers and acknowledge that there's a reason he's regarded as one of the preeminent offensive minds in college football. Yeah. But I'm so tired of hearing about Lincoln. I don't blame you. It's my fault today. I played the sound clip to chum the waters and bring the sharks out. Yeah, I admit it. Pretty sad. From the 918, you do a great job, Parker. Really appreciate you. I just fervently disagree with you on Riley. Keep up the great work, man. Well, I appreciate that. And this is what I love about the Air Comfort Solutions sex line. For the most part, we can agree. We can disagree. We can have our differences of opinion. But at the end of the day, we're all bros here. That's right. We're all soldiers in the same army. Uh, I don't know if you want me in the foxhole because I'm likely to explode a grenade or something on our own platoon, but we are all in the same army here. Sooner Gundy, with regard to Mule Shoe in the NFL, also pointed out, if you lose a game or two, it doesn't knock you out of anything. Yeah, that's true. That's That's very true. true. There's no doubt about it. Uh, Please, SC, don't. Don't what? Don't even sniff. I I couldn't take it if they win a title. I couldn't. I don't think I could take it. I don't know if I could take it. I think that might be the end of you, Steely. I hope not. I think we might find you dead from an aneurysm. You know, uh, I, I just don't know if I could take it. I really don't. 
All right, 405-651-3439. Wouldn't it be something if OU and SC played in a bowl game this coming year? RD could get the chance to beat Lincoln from Steve and Edmund. Uh, you know, that was kind of the prevailing thought before last year. Man, it'd be great to meet SC in a bowl game. And then you're thinking, well, he's not going bowling or maybe not going to a bowl game. But uh, then I think that thought kind of was like, ah, I, don't think we want, I don't think we want to deal with Caleb Williams with this defense. But I do think the Sooners are going to be better defensively. How good do they have to be to go out and win double-digit games and win the Big 12? Top 50 defense, top 40, top 25 defense? I think if you have a top 50 defense, that's good enough. The schedule's very easy, Steely. And I know I keep coming back to it, but that schedule is so easy. So easy. You should win 10 games. You absolutely should win 10 games. I think it's a disappointment if you don't win 10 games, looking at that schedule. Um, Gosh, there was another text, and I lost it. I wanted to get to it. But uh, somebody said, sorry, join the program late. Can you please restate the trigger for the mule shoe commentary? He was on first take this morning with Stephen A. A. Of course, mule shoe being the attention seeker that he is. It's on a lot of national programs these days, constantly making media appearances. A night and day departure from his M.O. at the University of Oklahoma. Well, yes, and also, if you see his office, it looks like he still might be in a trailer. They've tried to spruce it up a little bit. but And he basically had the Taj Mahal office at OU, right? I mean, I don't think there's any office, any office unless there's been a new one built that can touch that one. So... So anyway, I, I wonder how long it's going to take for Riley's reputation, Muleshoe's reputation, sorry, across the nation, amongst the national media, to kind of start to turn on its head. Because, yes, he's had a ton of success as a head coach. He's won a lot of games. But you think back to 2017, how on earth? With as much offensive talent as Oklahoma had that year, did they fail to win a game in the yeah. college football playoff? Brent Venables said on Saturday after the spring game that he was hoping and praying that Alabama won that college football playoff semifinal game in 2018 so that he didn't have to face Kyler Murray. Yeah, Brent yeah. obviously got his wish, and he de-pantsed Tua on they, national they television. They destroyed Alabama, yeah. Destroyed him. And then if Muleshoe fails to win a college football game – in the three years that he has Caleb Williams as his starting quarterback, if you have, if USC doesn't win a playoff game this year, if they don't make the college football playoff this year, do you think his reputation is gonna start to sour? I hope so. Amongst the yeah. national media members that seem to prop him up at every opportunity and every juncture that they can, i.e., Colin Cowherd and RJ I, Young. I hope so. Yes, absolutely. Uh, by the way, before we get to break, 940, you give Riley too much credit. He might be Don Coriel, but that does not win a championship. Don Coriel. Oh, listen, I air Coriel, the Chargers back in the day, Dan Fouts, uh, Kellen Winslow, John Jefferson, Charlie Joyner, the old air Coriel days. Now, in response to that listener, I, I don't think I give Riley too much credit. Never have I said. He's going to win championships as a coach. There's a lot that needs to change before we even start to have that conversation. And if he is Don Coriel, well, guess what? Don Coriel's an NFL Hall of Famer, right? So 
Ran into There's, the uh, sub-freezing uh, temperatures in Cincinnati in the AFC Championship game one year. I still remember that. I was an Eric Coriel fan. My point is, if Mule Shoe is Don Coriel, he might not win championships, but he's going to have a legacy, and he's going to be remembered as one of the best to ever do it as an offensive play caller. I still think we should name a water treatment facility here in Oklahoma for uh, Mule Shoe like they did in Utah for how about the, uh, the King. Uh, how about the composting facility off Highway 9? Why not? Yes, I like that. It's a very good idea. All right, 405-651-3439. Let's take a break right here. When we get back, uh, more of your texts. Also, some really good uh, Austin Reeves audio from last night. They are chanting MVP for Austin Reeves at Lakers home games. LeBron was the story last night, but guess who led him in scoring? Austin Reeves last night. We'll hear from him coming up later as well. Stay with us here on The Ref. All right, welcome back. Good to have you with us. Mike Steely, Parker Thune here on the Home of Sooner Fans, The Ref Radio Network. 405-651-3439. Sooner Baseball tonight versus ORU. Nope, canceled. OU Women's Softball, no game at Wichita State tonight either. That Tulsa matchup very much up in the air as well. So we shall see what happens. But, uh, by the way, the OU Men's Golf Team dominating at Prairie Dunes, Hutchinson, Kansas. Uh, Ryan Hibble in Oklahoma are now 11 shots clear of second-place Oklahoma State as we play round three. And uh, the Sooners in good shape to win this big championship. All right, uh, let's get back to the text line. 405-651-3439 is the number, and we've got a ton of texts rolling in. Got a couple um, questions rolling in uh, via text message also here that I might get to. Oh, okay. No, go right ahead. I want to hear this. What is the saddest Sooner sports injury in football? The saddest Sooner sports injury. I guess in that means the one. Like uh, Mike Gaddis would probably be. That's one that that I would say would be up there. Um, Mike Gaddis was going to be, you know, really good. Uh, like I said, he and Barry Sanders are going head to head in that Bedlam game that the Sooners barely won in Stillwater. Mike Gaddis was on his way to an NFL career, so I I would say maybe Mike Gaddis would be the one for me. I don't know that you've been around long enough, Parker, to have one that would hit home. Well, Austin Stogner just about lost a leg well, back yeah, in 2020. Yeah. That was mm-hmm. almost the saddest. What did he have? Did he have sepsis? It was that, sepsis, yeah. yeah. That's scary, man. Really scary. And we really didn't, didn't know because we kept kind of thinking, well, when is Austin Stogner going to be back? And then we found out what was going on, and it was super scary. Jamel Holloway, uh, knee injury. Yeah, but, I, you know, Jamel was never really going to be a, an NFL guy. Um, you know, Jamel was a great, great, big-time, um, you know, a big-time uh, wishful quarterback. Adrian Peterson, collarbone injury against Iowa State, cost him a Heisman. Yeah, that could very well. Troy Aikman against Miami. But the deal is Troy Aikman went on to UCLA, became the number one overall pick in the draft. I'm thinking of Mike Gaddis because I think that cost him, obviously, a chance to play pro football. Somebody else said, uh, well, Mark and Blanchard said, the running back that got hurt at Kansas State, yuck. Who is Who would that be in reference to, Steely? The running back who got hurt at K-State. I'm trying to remember. 
Drawing a blank. A couple people said saddest injury for, well, this is Eric in the OC. Saddest injury for me personally from a selfish perspective was not having DeMarco Murray versus Florida. There were yeah. a few others on the text mm-hmm. line that mentioned DeMarco. Uh, Switzer said Gaddis was on the way to the Heisman that year, 1989, says one listener. Sam Bradford, 2009 season opener against BYU and then subsequently against Texas when he re-injured that yeah, shoulder. Yeah, they, they came after him on that corner blitz, right, and got him in the Cotton Bowl too, and that was that was tough. Ryan Broyles, how about that? As productive as he was, as outstanding as he was in his four years as a Sooner, his career ended – I forget what the exact injury was, but it was suffered against Texas A&M in November of his senior year, and that was kind of the abrupt end for Ryan Broyles back in 2010. Was yeah. It, 2000, it was 2011. It was 2011. Dom Whaley was the running back injured at Kansas State. All right, there you go. Troy Aikman again, like I said, uh, Jerome Brown broke his leg in that OU-Miami game. That led to Jamel Holloway eventually, well, taking over the quarterback position. The Sooners came back and won a national championship. Troy Aikman – Went to UCLA, became the number one pick in the NFL draft. So I think that one, while it was disturbing when it happened, um, you know, wow, you think about the three parties really involved in that. Jerome Brown's no longer with us. Troy Aikman, again, NFL Hall of Famer. And Jamel led the Sooners that year again as a freshman to the national title. 405-651-3439 is the number. Ms. R in Norman says Rodney Anderson. Which one? Yeah, exactly. And that's <laughs> honestly, if you're not just looking at one specific injury but a career defined by them, Rodney Anderson is a very worthy pick in that regard because he had three season ending injuries in four seasons at Oklahoma. Yeah, Jason White in his knees, but he uh, persevered. There's no doubt. I mean, how many of us win? Um, you know, Jason got that second knee injury, thinking, oh, my gosh, you've got to be kidding me. This is horrible. This is horrible. But, man, he had that work ethic to come back. And, uh, you know, obviously that's a family who taught him to keep working, and he did, and he came back, won a Heisman Trophy. Unbelievable. Absolutely incredible. Caleb Kelly. It's another submission on the text line. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's sad. Caleb Kelly, such a, a good human being, working with the Soul Mission now and also made one of the greatest plays in the history of the Cotton Bowl, the takeaway. That was Xavier Worthy, too, that he took it from, right? It was. It was Xavier Worthy. That was an unbelievable play. Unbelievable. The mo- <laughs> the best play that we never noticed in real time. You remember that? You remember what? how no- like Caleb Kelly strips that ball. Nobody knew. Yeah. Nobody realized it until 45, 60 seconds after the fact when they showed the replay. This yeah. real slow mo replay from the alternate angle on the video board at the Cotton Bowl. And we all realized in that moment oh, shoot, he took the ball away. That's going to be OU football. Uh, Marcus Dupree, the concussion. Against Texas, derailed his career. Who was the linebacker that hit him so hard on that play? I'm trying to remember who the linebacker is. A really good linebacker for Texas, like an All-American linebacker type that uh, hit Marcus Dupree. And Marcus Dupree had the uh, fake reverse touchdown as a freshman. The next year, man, they hit him, and they hit him hard on every play. And I'm trying to remember the linebacker for Texas who made that hit. Somebody will help us on the text line. They always do. Somebody will have that answer shortly. Um, 
from the 580. AD for me, I was little when it happened, and he was my favorite player. Yeah, I remember that too, man. Because I was seven years old at that point, and Adrian Peterson was my favorite player. I mean, Adrian Peterson, unless you were a Texas fan, I feel like Adrian Peterson was one of your favorite players regardless of what your rooting interest was because he was the show in college football that year. Because Reggie Bush was off to the NFL. Mm -hmm. He'd just been drafted by the New Orleans Saints. And so it had been Reggie Bush and A.D. that had been the two preeminent running backs in college football in the 2004 and 2005 seasons. But you roll into 2006, obviously there's a ton of change within the Oklahoma program. Rhett Bomar has been dismissed. Paul Thompson takes over as quarterback. And there's really no question that it's the Adrian Peterson show. And if Oklahoma is going to – stay in the hunt for a national title it's going to be on the legs of adrian peterson and i think we tend to undervalue what paul thompson accomplished that season because having to play the second half of that campaign without adrian peterson and still to be gordon reese away from potentially playing for the national championship (laughs) that's right yeah yeah paul thompson had a very quietly memorable season that year for Oklahoma in 2006. One that flies under the radar. Good dude, great leader too, Paul Thompson, no doubt about it, out of Lancaster, Texas. All right, somebody's got to help me out with that linebacker for Texas on the text line during the break. Maybe we'll get the answer on that. All right, yeah, the two biggest freak uh, shows for me at running back um, were Marcus Dupree and Adrian Peterson, and neither of them won a Heisman. All right, break time. Was it Jeff Lighting? No, it wasn't Jeff Lighting from uh, Tulsa Union uh, who went to Texas. He was he spent like a year, I think, at Tulsa Union, maybe a couple years. He was from Missouri, but he ended up at Texas. Different breed of cat, Jeff Lighting. All right, it was um, – I have to go back, and maybe I could find that 84. Would that be the 84 OU Texas game? i got to find it out now. It's going to drive me crazy. All right, stay with us. Uh, Austin Reeves has some cool audio coming up because they are chanting MVP for Austin Reeves in L.A. now for the Lakers. Stay with us. All right, you guys have answered the question, and you're absolutely right. It wasn't a linebacker. I'm going through this Texas roster in the 82-83 season and I'm like, no, not ringing a bell. No, not Ty Allard, not Jeff Lighting. No, no, no. It was Richard Peavy, the safety, who knocked Marcus Dupree out of the game. He never carried the football for OU again. And I believe that Peavy lost his headgear on that hit, too. So, uh, But he was a hard-hitting uh, defensive back safety for Texas. So thank you again for the help. 405-651-3439. Richard Peavy, Texas defensive back, not a linebacker. Okay, uh, so what's happening tonight in the NBA? First of all, last night, man, how about Jimmy Butler? 56 points. The Bucks were up 89-78 after three quarters. Miami outscored uh, Milwaukee 41-25 in the fourth quarter. Giannis uh, obviously did play last night, but Jimmy Butler with 56, man. Three games to one. Miami has a chance to get it done in game five Wednesday night in Milwaukee. Now, the Lakers... At home, hold off Memphis to take a three games to one of that West round, that West first round series 
Um, they won it again in overtime, 117-111. to LeBron was tremendous, obviously, at the, at the age of 38, 20-20 game, 20 points, 20 boards, also had seven assists. But it was Austin Reeves, again, who led L.A. with 23 points. 23 points for Hillbilly Kobe. Let's hear what Austin Reeves had to say. Hillbilly uh, Kobe. The fans – are loving this guy. They are chanting. How can you not? They're chanting MVP when he's at the free throw line. Here's the question and answer from Austin Reeves last night. Austin, the atmosphere in this building, but also throughout the course of this season, those MVP chants for you at the line have been getting louder and louder. I guess, what does it mean to you to hear that energy and know this this uh, fan group supports you so much? Uh, I mean, it's love. Uh, you know, I've said many a times, you know, I've clearly not in the MVP race, um, but the way that they support me, the way um, I believe that they love the way that I play, um, you know, I'm going to give it everything I got every night, you know, and like I've said many a times, to play for this organization in front of these fans that, you know, expect this. They expect us to, you know, be in the playoffs and winning games and um, competing to, you know, go all the way. Um, but, you know, just, just as far as the MVP stuff is special, uh, it's a dream come true. And if you'd have told me that, shoot, two years ago, I'd have told you you were crazy. There you go, Austin Reeves. What a what a career he's had so far in L.A. Unbelievable. By the way, tonight, I think we're probably looking at three gentlemen sweeps tonight. I think the Celtics up 3-1. Back home, we'll take out the Atlanta Hawks. That's the early game on TNT. The T-Wolves at Denver, Nuggets at home. Uh, they'll win that series. That's 8 o'clock on NBA TV. And the Clippers and the Suns. Uh, Suns lead three games to one. Back home, Phoenix. For Game 5 tonight, 9 o'clock on TNT. By the way, I want to play uh, one more clip, uh, Parker. Let's play the KD and CP3 clip before we get to the text line because I thought this was interesting the other night. Uh, first of all, Kawhi Leonard again. Uh, I know that Tyron Luke came out and said he's really injured. But, man, Tyron – not that I don't believe him, but, man, it's really weird with Kawhi. He takes all these games off for load, load management. He's missing all these playoff games. PG, obviously – was out with a knee injury. So Russell Westbrook has been trying to carry the Clippers and keep them in this series. After Phoenix uh, beats the Clips in game four, it was interesting to hear KD and Chris Paul taking up for Russ. Kevin, Monty just mentioned that uh, he's never heard as much criticism for an MVP player as much as Russ gets. I mean, what do you think about that? And have you spoken to him about that criticism? About Russ? No, I don't. We don't. No, not about criticism. I mean, people going, people going, always criticize when you're successful and you know doing your thing for this long. You know, somebody gonna always find something um, that they don't like about you. But <clears throat> Russ has been resilient his whole life. He come to work, don't say much, just come hoop. So you know, when he's retired, people are gonna really tell the truth about how they feel about his game. Right now, it's a fun thing to do is to make a joke out of Russ, but. He, he, you know, the way he's been playing is since he got with the Clippers, showed everybody who he really is. I feel like the only people to do that, too, is the people who don't know basketball. Fact. You know what I'm saying? And don't know what it's like to compete. I know, for me, Russ is one of my closest friends. You know what I'm saying? And so people that do that and talk crazy probably wish they could be in that situation. There you go. Kevin Durant and Chris Paul taking up for Russ, who has had a good series, man. It's been he and Norman Powell trying to keep the Clippers in this series, but Phoenix will probably wrap it up in five tonight, the late game on TNT. All right, 
3439. Air. I almost did it. I almost did it. It's still in my brain. Just the text line. We will get you on the air. Yes, I said Giannis did play last night. Yes, 38. Yes, he played uh, and scored, I believe it was 26 last night. Did I say that he didn't play? I, if I did, I aired. But, yeah, he clearly. You, you, he, said, you said he did play, but the way you said, the way you enunciated did, there was a certain level of ambiguity to ah. it that made it, made it sound like you might have said didn't. Ah, okay. I need to enunciate better. Brooke Lopez had 36. Giannis had 26 uh, for Milwaukee in that loss uh, against Miami last night. From the 405, not an injury. This goes back to the conversation we were having last segment. But Caleb Kelly's hit, followed by Stephen Parker's scoop and score in the Rose Bowl, should be one of the most iconic and fun plays in OU history. But Mule Shoe ruined it for all of us. Yes, he did. Yes, he did. I remember so little about that Rose Bowl game, Steely. It's just flashes here and there. I remember Baker Mayfield getting picked off. I remember C.D. Lamb throwing a touchdown pass. To that Baker. was wide ass open too. <laughs> Not just I wide remember. Open. I remember Rodrigo Blankenship from fifty-five after Mule Shoe mm, Squib kicked. Yeah, the old Squib kick. And of course, I remember Mule Shoe declining to go for it on fourth and a foot, and basically handing the game to Kirby Smart in Georgia. I remember Sony Michelle sauntering down the sideline. No one in his zip code en route to the end zone. Mm-hmm. The end of Baker Mayfield's career at Oklahoma. Yeah, they had uh, Sony Michelle and Nick Chubb. Obviously, that Georgia backfield was pretty stacked. And then they had DeAndre Swift, who uh, was the third guy. So You lost to Jake Fromm. You did. And Jake I... Fromm. How many inches was it that OU needed on that fourth down? Not many. Not that many inches. What could have been? What could have been? All right, 405-651-3439. Maybe that's why the uh, the Oklahoma legislature, whoever it was that introduced that bill to make the last three inches of the stretch of highway out in the panhandle, <laughs> the Lincoln-Riley Memorial <laughs> Highway, maybe it wasn't a uh, shot across the ballot Lincoln-Riley. Maybe it was in memory of the three inches that he chose not to try and convert on January 1st, 2018. Yeah. Think about that. You think Barry, my God, Switzer, would have kicked there? Doubtful. If you had that defense and you had an offense comprised of, what, 10 of 11 players, 10 of 11 starters that went on to play in the NFL, I think most coaches worth their salt would have gone for it in that situation. And just been content to live with the outcome. But not Muleshoe. Muleshoe wanted to play it safe. He did. W-I-M-P wimp. It was a wimpy, wimpy call. From the A-3-2, Parker, I'm still trying to forget how many rushing yards Georgia put on us in that Rose Bowl. Yeah, again, given the way that your defense had played, really all year, but especially in that game, Do you really think that you were going to win that game by prolonging it? By trying to play for the tie as opposed to trying to play for the win? Absolutely not. 
this is a conversation that rears its ugly head probably once every month on this show. Didn't Chubb and uh, Michelle both knock off like 75-yard touchdown runs? It seemed that way. Yeah, they ran and ran. and But you know you know who's the best running back on the field that afternoon? Rodney it was Anderson. Rodney freaking Anderson. I know. And again, wasted. Totally wasted. A moment of silence for the 2018 Rose Bowl. A moment of silence for Baker Mayfield, who deserved a national championship that year and did not get one because his head coach was a pansy. Also the reverse to our slowest wide receiver on a massive third down. He choked. He being mule shoe. All right, we got a break right here. Oh, well, I, I think we brought back some really bad memories. We are sorry, but that that one stung. That one definitely stung. Listener in the 713 says, would the hate be as strong for Muleshoe had we won a natty prior to his departure? No, absolutely not. No. That, I think that, yeah. that, that fuels a lot of it. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. And you think about, like I said, that offense, man. Woo. <laughs> Big time. I firmly believe that if Bob Stoops had stuck around to coach one more season, Oklahoma wins the national championship in 2017. Because you think Bob is letting Lincoln trot the field goal unit out on the field on fourth down? Probably not. Definitely not. I need your best Bob impression of what would happen. Oh. What would happen if Lincoln got in the headset and said, I don't know, I feel, well, you feel like we should kick, kick this? Oh, no. Hey, at the end of the day, we're going for it. All right. So, anyway, all right. Yeah, let's run. Let's run. Uh, let's just run it down their throat, win this game, okay? All right, that's my best right now that I've got. All right, 405-651-3439. Quick break. More of your text to finish out today. And we have uh, Tyler McComas standing by to join Parker for Locked In at 2 o'clock right here on The Ref. All right, we're back. One more segment on this Tuesday edition of Steel Man and Thune right here on the home of Sooner Fans, the Ref Radio Network. By the way, the uh, soundbite. We played from Austin Reeves in the previous segment. It was our Ortho Central clip of the day. Ortho Central with clinics in Norman, Midwest City, and now a brand-new Tri-City location. Serving the folks over in Newcastle, Tuttle, and Blanchard, these full-service clinics treat orthopedic and sports medicine injuries. All right. Let's get to as many texts as we can. By the way, uh, the latest news in recruiting, the Sooners now have five commitments with Jaden Hardy's commitment again uh, coming in. So Jeremiah Newcomb, Michael Hawkins, K.J. Daniels, Isaiah Autry, and Jaden Hardy, the uh, safety out of Louisville, Texas. And tell everybody about this preferred walk-on that is coming through the portal. Of course, Brendan Thompson, also the uh, wide receiver transfer from Texas, made it official last night. He's coming to Oklahoma. Former four-star recruit out of Spearman, Texas. Uh, Hamp Fay, Hampton Fay, the 6'5", 250-pound, uh, played some quarterback, was moved to tight end uh, for Michigan State, also coming to OU as a PWO. Yeah, I mean, he's he's a PWO, right? So not a guy that you count on ever playing meaningful snaps at Oklahoma because that's not the expectation you tend to have for walk-ons. When one really pops, i.e. Drake Stoops or Gavin Freeman, it makes the story all the sweeter, right? But it's just another warm body at tight end, which Oklahoma has needed badly. 
They're going to get Helms and Llewellyn healthy again. They're going to add Cade McIntyre by the time fall camp opens. So I don't know that there is immediate concern in terms of depth at tight end, but just in case you were still alarmed, there's another body in the room. There you go. And uh, what are you saying for the rest of the week? What is the over and under for commitments uh, for OU this week by, like, Sunday evening? One. I think there's one commit by Sunday evening. Maybe a wide receiver? That, yeah, maybe a wide receiver stealing. But, I, you know, we're already at three since spring game weekend between Autry, Hardy, and Brennan Thompson. So mm-hmm. I expect potentially a wide receiver to be number four. And then I think that'll be it for a little while. So maybe, as, maybe Zion Carney again by the uh, end of the week? Would yeah. that be the guy that you're pointing uh, in that direction, maybe to be the next one? Yeah, I'd say 48 hours. Okay. Uh, from the 405, Hamp Faye's little brother is a stud D lineman, Hunter Faye, in the class of 2024. Interesting. Very interesting. I, I would probably pay, pay a little bit more attention to that if Oklahoma didn't already have a zillion targets at defensive line as it is. And not only a zillion targets, but a zillion guys with which they're trending very nicely. David Stone, there was a story out, you know, about, yeah, I enjoyed his visit. Norman over the weekend was, uh, you know, in town last weekend, enjoyed the spring game festivities and everything. And he, quote, tweeted that boomer and got like 9 million retweets on that. So, David Stone seems like uh, that one probably won't go down for a while. It won't go down anytime soon, but I also, like I said yesterday, I don't think it's going to last till National Signing Day the way that Peyton Bowen's recruitment lasted. Because, again, I think there will come a point in time at which the Oklahoma staff, and more specifically Brent Venables, gets on the horn with David Stone and says, okay, man, cut the crap. We're not going to keep doing this. You're either in or you're out right now. Because the kid's enjoying messing with everybody right now. It's not that hard to see either. He's enjoying the power that comes with being a five-star prospect and being able to pull the puppeteer's strings on whatever fan base you like. Yeah, no doubt. It's it's a degree of power that not a lot of 16-year-old kids have. Zane says, hey, Zadavian Sims likes all my tweets pointing him back to Oklahoma. Oh, I must there be he's you committed. Go. It's a done deal, Zane. Thank you for your service to the Sooner Nation. Are we gonna we're gonna label Zane as the primary recruiter for Zadavian Sims? Why not? Yeah. Could be. He could be. Yeah, you know, and here's the deal. This has to drive coaches crazy. I mean, the day everybody wants David Stone, but I mean it just I don't know. Both fan bases, again, are, uh, well, and, you know, we think mainly of OU and Michigan State, but um, have got to be going like, oh, my gosh, okay. Yeah. You, People you, will get fed up with it at a certain point. They do. Absolutely they do. And they will with David Stone. 
All right. Uh, I want to thank our friends at Riverwind Casino, our hotline sponsor, and a great, great organization. Justin, I saw, was out at the uh, big Meals on Wheels promotion that Riverwind sponsored out at Top Golf last week with Baker and Emily Mayfield. They raised over $75,000 for Meals on Wheels. That is a heck of a deal. Riverwind gives back a ton. And uh, Justin and the folks from Riverwind were very instrumental in uh, helping coordinate that event. It was a huge success. The lovely Shay, my wife, was out there with her friend uh, Susie. They went to see Baker and Emily, got their pick and everything, had a great time. And when I left uh, this morning, Shay was wearing her uh, L.A. Rams hoodie, still awaiting her Tampa Bay Buccaneers hoodie. All right, thanks again to Riverwind Casino. Thanks for all your texts today. We appreciate you. Locked in is coming up next.